Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. Some quick pre-show announcements. I kept them quick last week. Will I do it again? These are pertaining to a shout-out, Spotify, and what, of course, is happening on today's episode. So our shout-out comes from YouTube, episode 233, Mother Goose and Grim. Kato2K says, hi, SMC. Greetings from New Jersey. If you have time, please review Ulysses 31 and GeForce. These are great anime cartoons from the 70s and 80s. Thank you. First and foremost, hi, how's it going, Kato? We love New Jersey. A lot of you have reached out from New Jersey and beyond and asked us to uh, watch specific cartoons and review them. We would love to. Do us a favor so that we can make sure that you get the proper shout out. Go on any of our social media platforms. There's a link tree. You can click on the link tree and you can go to the submit a cartoon button or you can call 202-681-4406. Why are you writing this down? It's in our show notes every single week. This just makes sure that you get the proper shout out. And if you call and leave a message, we will 100% review your cartoon. We just got a phone message the other day. We are now going to review that cartoon. It's that simple, gang. If you're listening on Spotify, first, thank you. Second, you may have noticed that Spotify has taken down a bunch of our episodes. Spotify gave podcasts about two weeks to switch over to a specific format. And guess what? It's just me working on trying to come up with a solution over here. Yep, just Sean. If anybody has an M4A to MP3 converter, just message me. I'd love to learn more about it. In fact, I'll send you some stickers. In the meantime, we are working on this. We will get this resolved shortly. So today, this is a return to form for the show. Weird niche cartoons from the 80s. I love it. In putting together this episode, our friend Bobby Anthem messaged us to say that he remembered this cartoon, which is wild since Rubik the Magic Cube ran for only 13 episodes, yet it definitely left an impression on those who watched it. I even found a blogger named Cookie Woke who found a terrifying parallel to a horror film that neither of my guests understood. Speaking of guests, Charlie Visconage returns, and I'm also excited to welcome a new guest, Carlos Sanchez, from the Be Kind and Rewind podcast. I really don't know what to say other than all of us went on a journey for this week's episode before we made our final recommendation. All of this and more, and so now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you locked inside a treasure chest in the back of an evil magician stagecoach, I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis. Returning to the show, he's in cube form tonight with a high-pitched voice. Please welcome returning guest, Charlie Visconage. Charlie, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm pumped to discuss this thank you for having me absolutely <laughs> well thank you for coming back charlie uh joining us for the first time and you can hear him giggling in the background attempting to clone diamonds and thwart the effort of three kids please welcome host of the be kind and rewind podcast carlos sanchez welcome carlos bruno <laughs> thank you for having me on i appreciate it absolutely absolutely this is exciting for me because i was on a couple months ago be kind and rewind with carlos talking about saturday morning cartoons and as we were talking about the saturday morning lineup we got into the cartoon that we're talking about tonight and if you're not familiar with this we are talking about rubik the amazing cube this evening and so so thank you, Carlos, for bringing this to my attention. 
<laughs> and suggesting. Thank you for letting let me get a in, deep dive into this. I'm ready. I'm um, ready to get into it. Oh, man. Well, you know, to really kind of uh, baseline and, and level set for everybody, I wanted to ask Carlos, what was your sort of, what, what was your relationship with either the Rubik Cube or even this cartoon in general? I've, I've only heard about the show in the last few years getting into the podcast and doing research for stuff. I didn't know it actually existed when it actually was on. But, you know, I didn't actually, I didn't have a, an actual Rubik's Cube either. I always said, like, it's one of those friends toys that they had. You, you go there and you play with it and stuff like that. Um, but I, I had my fair share of exposure, like I said, in the last few years. But um, now that it's on my radar, it's been on my radar constantly. And now that you brought it to my attention to watch a full episode, like, it's opened up a whole new world for me at this point in time. The only time I really had one, the only, like, real connection was in high school. I had one on my bed that I would use. Like, I had it solved, but I would reverse a few of the uh, the moves. So when, like, girls would come over, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let me just uh, oh, solve this real move. quick. And, yeah, they'd be like, ooh, ooh. I mean, it would work, like, maybe half the time. So it's not always 100%. <laughs> still but pretty good. It's still it pretty good a odds. Times. Yeah. And so that was, like, my go-to for the Rubik's Cube. So every, that's my connection to it, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought to have ever done that. Wow. Nice. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So yeah it's, if I had any smooth moves, that was like the only one. Is the you gotta do the Rubik is you know <laughs> if you're like if you're looking to if you're looking to flirt someone with somebody, show them your hand eye coordination, your spatial reasoning, and your intelligence all in one simple move. Or three exactly. or four, depending on yeah. three or four. <laughs> Crank yeah, it. it's, I I it's it's shameful, but I had it so memorized what my four moves were. I'm like, oh, I think it's this. Oh, wait, this maybe. Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is so amazing. yeah, awesome. intimidating. <laughs> well, perfect, Charlie. What was your what was your impression? What was your relationship with a Rubik cube or the cartoon in general? So I had never seen the cartoon and was sort of shocked uh, that this even existed. But when you invited me to this. You know, first I was like, well, I'm going to do a thing, which which I am, but it's later anyway, which is great. But then when you were like, oh, it's a cartoon about the Rubik's Cube, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> what sold you on it? Just the fact it's that it was so a Rubik's weird. Okay. It just, and proved to be, I don't want to get into it too soon. Um, as far as the toy, I never owned one. I was certainly not a smart enough child to ever solve it, nor do I feel as though I'm a smart enough adult necessarily. <laughs> oh, no, me and too. I actually... <laughs> in the there's a free pile at my day job uh where you know people are cleaning out their offices they leave little toys or calendars or whatever so somebody actually left one out and so i've been playing with it the past few days at my desk and i'm still frustrated with it. oh really <laughs> have you have you gone as far to to look up on youtube ways to be able to actually solve the rubik cube no i feel like that probably should it just feels like cheating but at the same time i'm currently at the neanderthal stage where there's like no ability for me to learn how to do it <laughs> so maybe maybe that's my next step next time i come on i'll be a pro so you're just going to kind of brute force it from now on until until you get to that point where you get frustrated enough yeah if any if there's any kind of crossover between your listeners and people that i'm on conference calls with that's what i'm doing when i'm on mute <laughs> 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 attempting to <laughs> vainly solve this devil cube. That's the union in the Venn diagram of, do you listen to our podcast? Are you on a conference call with Charlie? I'm, I would be shocked, but if you email me and let me know, uh, I'll say thanks. Well, make sure to at Charlie uh, <laughs> yeah, for all of these. Do at me, bro. Do, for at this do it. That's, that's my catchphrase, Carl. <laughs> don't, is generally don't at me, bro. 
Uh, I'll, I'll say this. My relationship with the cartoon is the same. I had no idea that this cartoon existed. It's not something that I was really familiar with. You know, having having done the podcast now for for f- almost five years, this has been a cartoon that people have always kind of suggested, but I've, I've, I haven't avoided it, but it hasn't been something that I've really dug deeper into. So I was glad when we had our conversation, Carlos, that this gave me an opportunity to get back into some good old-fashioned early 80s weird Ruby Spears cartoons. So that's... That's always a joy for me to to kind of dig deep in, inside that. Uh, I'll also say that I didn't own a Rubik cube either. I just didn't have one. I, I I knew other people who had it, or they had maybe like a small keychain that had one on that like you really could not move around because it was threaded at some point to hold a keychain. So it sort of took away the fun of having the toy. Is there fun in having the toy? I, well, you you tell me. You're the one playing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. The the, the novelty wears off real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to also say that for the longest time, I have been calling it a Rubik's cube, and so I I've been calling it with an X at the end. I I don't. That's not the name. It's you'll see over here. I've the same it, thing. Yeah. And yeah, until like I've maybe been two calling years it a ago. Rubik's cube forever. So I must confess my own ignorance in this. I thought that there was an apostrophe S always. What? I thought it was like Rubik came up with the cube. Well, I mean, literally a guy with the last name Rubik did come up with the cube. That's I guess that was my assumption. He didn't want all the credit. He just wanted his name on there. He just (laughs) just threw my name on. (laughs) This guy, Erno uh, Rubik, is the the person who actually created this toy. Huh. Yeah. So very interesting. We've already began to talk a little bit about the history but if you're not familiar with the history of rubik the amazing cube let's let's break it down pretty quick rubik the amazing cube is a 30 minute saturday morning animated series based on the puzzle created by erno rubik produced by ruby spears enterprise and broadcast as a part of the pac-man rubik the amazing cube hour block on abc from september 10th to december 10th of 1983 the show ran for a total of 13 episodes. The Rubik Half Hour was broadcast in reruns as a standalone series on ABC from May 4th to August 31st of 1985. The voice of Rubik, and I love this, is done by Ron Palillo. Uh, he told TV Guide in 1983, for the role, he spoke very slowly and then technicians sped up the tape and raised the pitch. Palillo uh, said Rubik's giggle is very different from his trademark laugh of Horshack, which is from Welcome Back, Mr. Cotter, his character in the TV series, and that and that the laugh itself is pretty for an inanimate object, which is pretty. Real, That's the weird. way he described yeah. it. Gross, yeah, dude. It's kind of kind of creepy. <laughs> uh, in keeping with the Hispanic flavor of the show, the theme song was sung by Puerto Rican boy band Menudo. So Ricky Martin was uh, was saying the Rubik's. Or Rubik, he could have theme song. I mean, if it was in if it was in the eighty two eighty three time frame, and that's when Ricky Martin was in the band, then possibly. Oh, we've uncovered. I think it's it's yeah. It's it's very interesting because we've also this isn't the first time on the show that we've talked about Menudo. <laughs> <laughs> Last summer we did a review of the cartoon. It was actually it was a French cartoon. And it was Spartacus. If they're going to have Horshack be the voice, why not just keep his regular voice? He already has like this odd, like, you know, high pitched voice. I know, man. I don't it, get it, it. It almost, it almost makes 
they could have got anybody if they're going to slow down or they're going to speed up the uh, the audio. Why would they get anybody yeah, they else? Save some money. I know. I, I really feel like they could have probably just gotten. <laughs> A very squeaky young teen who could have gone come on, or or, or young kid. To, he probably to had do like it. two TV show ho- like uh, contract with ABC, and it's like, all right, he just give him this voice. <laughs> That's it, and we're done. He's like, gang, what I really want to do is I really want to do something where my voice <laughs> is completely digitally manipulated, but I also love cartoons. I want nobody to know I'm in it. Yeah. Well, we mentioned Menudo, and I want to mention that back on episode 216, we actually had Menudo sing the outro theme song for Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. So not the first time that we've had Menudo actually doing uh, a, you know, theme music for a cartoon. So very interesting to kind of see that, uh, that this is the second time. We, at some point, obviously need to get Menudo to hat trick this. We have to find a third cartoon that Menudo sure has, has done the theme song for. So if you know... I'm sure it's out yeah, there. Yeah, it seems highly likely given that they've done two already. Right. They had done two. If you know that cartoon, at Charlie Visconage about this. <laughs> He's dying to know. I'm not your secretary. <laughs> <laughs> but you're triaging this front line for all of our Menudo fans out there, so I appreciate it. If you are not familiar, because we've been talking about Rubik and, and sort of what this show actually entails and just how potentially weird we're going to get tonight, Carlos is going to help us break down a little bit of the plot synopsis. Please, Carlos. Yes. So the show is about the magic Rubik's Cube named Rubik, who can fly through the air and has other special powers that are never really detailed. Uh, Rubik has fallen out of the stagecoach of an evil magician who's become the main villain of the series. So Rubik helps Carlos, which that was a, a surprise for me. I had no idea that the a character was named Carlos. Uh, and Lisa... Ronaldo Rodriguez and foiling the magician's attempts to recover Rubik. Uh, Rubik, Rubik uh, can only come alive when the color squares on his sides have been matched up. So you got to be some smart kids. Uh, episodes uh, also contain normal adver- adversaries such as bullies when Carlos and Ronaldo were uh, attempted to get girlfriends. Uh, Rubik worked in a secret. Uh, sec- it worked in secret to expose the bully's true brutal personality in front of the girl. Uh, Rubik was easily uh, scramble able uh, by falling by falling or even uh, or even the family dog. The Rodriguez kids would always find Rubik put back together through a in a stressful situations and it would take much longer. Uh, so when scrambled, Rubik can only be uh, heard making low key gibberish and sometimes can be heard saying help. It's the creepiest, creepiest <laughs> little factoid to, to throw in there is just. To hear him just kind of like muffled, just being like, <laughs> just back and forth. It's it's so it's so unbelievably bizarre that they would include anything even remotely similar to this in any way, shape, or form. I want to also say I love the fact that uh, Ronaldo and Carlos, who are in this cartoon, are talking about getting girls as well. And we've already talked to Carlos about how he used a Rubik's cube. Again, I said Rubik's Cube instead of Rubik's Cube. I'm going to do it all night, so I apologize. I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it's natural gonna, at this point. It's going to happen, but it sounds like if you're out there and you're trying to figure out how you're going to talk to that special someone that's in your life, Rubik's Cube. I'm not saying it's going to work. I'm just saying Carlos says it's got a 50% chance. It's better than uh, <laughs> some sort of cold uh, line or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Because you're cold line because we're so in your head about this educational toy anyway is probably going to be educational toy related you're already thinking about it right now yeah i'm weirded out (laughs) (laughs) speaking about getting weirded out 
we obviously have to enter in and begin to really discuss the theme song for tonight. A uh, lot of thoughts, a lot of things that are interested. We've already talked about the fact that Menudo sang this theme song. And so, Carlos, I wanted to ask you, uh, what were your impressions? How did you feel about Rubik, the theme song? It is catchy, surprisingly catchy. Um, yeah. And I'm now finding out that Menudo sang it, it's not surprising. And then it reminds me of like a, a cereal jingle or like a toy jingle of some sort. Uh, so it goes hand in hand with the, you know, with the demographics. So it reminded me of other things similar to it. And uh, I feel like they put some effort into it, even though the plot is crazy, beyond crazy. But, you know, they managed to, you know, put it in song form. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's catchy enough that I like it. I'll uh, if I, I still have it ringing in my head right now after just watching just the one episode. So uh, they did it. It did its job. Awesome. Awesome. Charlie, what was your impression of the theme song for for Rubik? So I have to confess. So first, I in terms of the order of operations of getting prepared for this episode, I read the Wikipedia page first. So I was like, oh, Menudo. But then I was like, oh, I, I'm super ignorant and I don't really know any Menudo songs. I'm a little bit younger, certainly than Sean. I don't know about you, Carlos. but And that is one reason why I may not have heard Menudo. But to me, I was like, oh, maybe this is more like Gloria Estefan, Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> was what I had in my mind. So then I go and listen to this song, and I'm just like, oh, God. And I, I tried both links, listeners. So Sean sent us first a better audio but crappy visuals, and then a better visuals but crappy audio. It kind of sounded the same to me. Okay. Um, I mean, I did like that it told the story of how the kids found Rubik rather than, like, recycling footage or, you know. I mean, I know you love a roll call. I kind of wonder, though, if it... I'll get into it. I... I you're hitting a lot of notes from me, Charlie, that I'm going to come back into. Okay, okay. Um, but overall, I mean, I have to agree. It, Carlos, when you said it's an earworm, I mean, then I've started like replaying it in my mind and it will be haunting me on my drive home <laughs> and for days to come. So the, the question that I have is that, and, and you know, for, for, any, for, for everybody listening, we, we only watched one episode, and we watched ep- season one, episode one. We mentioned there's only 13 episodes, so this is not a huge time sink if you decide that you want to watch everything. And the, the episode is called, for the pilot, Rubik the Amazing Cube. So it's it's really just a redundancy in terms First of... First idea, best idea on that title. <laughs> like, yep. Boom, done. <laughs> yeah, Short they... meeting on that day. Yeah. <laughs> This feels like it was something that they were trying to figure out like right before lunch. And they're like, just call the pilot the name of the damn cartoon. All right, are we done? Quiznos? Yeah. Delivery driver's at the door. Figure it out. Let's do it right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everybody wants the bounce. So I I kind of wonder, first and foremost, and I, I would actually be curious to hear what listeners say, but also watch a couple more episodes and see if this was dedicated animation. There was a part of me that was left wondering for the 13 episodes that they they put into this, is there an episode where they go back and they really talk about the origin story? I feel like it's probably pretty high, but there's a wide variety of of episodes and content that they have. There's there's one about uh there's one about Lisa getting superpowers. There's one about that kind of like weirdly implies that maybe Rubik is Santa Claus. Uh, uh, there's like, so there's a Christmas special that they have. So there's there's a lot of content that they have. I wonder if they ever truly get into 
the evil magician and sort of what he was conspiring to use Rubik actually for. And so I, I can't definitively say that this was dedicated animation, uh, but it looked like it was stuff from potentially a, an episode because of the same quality that they had. So that kind of leads me in that direction. Charlie's right. I always do love a roll call. We didn't really get one. Yeah, but, I mean, at least you see who the main characters are, but they don't name them or anything right. like that. Well, they, they name one person oh, at, the, at, the, at the very end of the theme song where he very creepily introduces himself to everybody. <laughs> it's currently just looping in my head right now. Uh, now wanna, Sean, could you do... I know that you can't use the whole theme song, but can you do like a drop of... I'm just saying, Rubik. I'm Rubik. It's dude. That's that's a solid one. <laughs> I don't know that I want to be known for that though, Carlos. <laughs> it's almost too good. <laughs> just isolate that and pepper it in throughout this episode. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we don't really get much of a roll call except for Rubik introducing himself at the very end. It's it's fine. I do really enjoy the fact that this tells a story in a very visual fashion with a lot of music, but very minimal dialogue or, or lyrics actually sung for the song. And I, I'll say this, it is definitely an earworm, but I'm more intrigued to know what happens with this crazy magician, with this evil crazy magician that, you know, he was put in a chest and, and then, you know, on some faithful night fell out of this stagecoach I'm also very frustrated because the adult part of me is like, all of these problems could have been solved with a lock. Yeah. He could have locked that trunk. He could have locked the stagecoach. Uh, also, this is 1983. Who the fuck is riding around in a stagecoach? Yeah, they seem to be <laughs> on like back roads. This is this, yeah, this isn't 1600. So he yeah, what is he doing? Well, maybe the magician is Amish. And it, maybe this takes place in Pennsylvania, where you're from. That's true. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Maybe he was riding out to the coast to use Rubik to boil the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Lines up. I think it, I think you're onto something. <laughs> a lot of this just really checks out. I, I will say the the one final thing, I do like sort of the the introduction, despite how creepy it is, of Rubik introducing himself. The thing that haunts me is at the very end of the theme song, they have this moment where the evil magician has realized that the chest has fallen out of the stagecoach. He turns around to go get it. So that means at some point he has to do like a three-point turn with the stagecoach to figure out how to do that, to go in back in the opposite direction to retrieve Rubik. The kids are standing there looking at him. They don't know what the fuck they've found. And then this Rubik cube beams magic onto them and teleports them up into the sky and leaves their bicycles there. <laughs> and as a kid who rode my bike every day in the 80s and 90s, I would have been like, what are you doing with my Schwinn Sidewinder? That took me a lot to be able to save up for, buddy. You better go back and get that bike. Yeah. What's Rubik? Like it's can... coming with me or I don't go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know We're a gonna... team here. <laughs> I like that Carlos is like, you know what? I'm going to stay with the magician because yeah, uh, he's got my here, bike. Just got, I just got new, uh, new baseball cards on my spoke, so I yeah. don't want to... Uh, I'm not going to leave the bike. Yeah. This Huffy is cruising, and I'm going to stay here with this magician. I mean, maybe the main conflict arc... You know, obviously, we didn't watch the other 12 eps, but maybe the main conflict arc is that the magician 
with his open wagon stole their bikes and he's like hey i'll trade you <laughs> and but they're doing it like on the edge of a cliff or something or he's just riding the bikes around you know he's <laughs> yeah. just like you know what <laughs> screw you, this kids. stagecoach i got these i got these schwins let's these do bikes it are sweet exactly <laughs> he's like finally i've been trying to upgrade and get away from this horse <sighs> he traded up I'm, I'm finally on this huffy just gonna cruise around town <laughs> later <laughs> i like to think that that's sort of the happy ending that happens i think so yeah I think the evil magician got got his way yeah got what he wanted got what he's looking for so we mentioned uh you know just the the production house that we have that's behind this is ruby spears wanted to get into our impressions about the animation style and, and sort of, you know, what did this make you think of? Were there any contemporaries in 1983 that you could draw a parallel to? So Carlos, what was your impression of the animation style for Rubik? Uh, definitely reminds me of like the old, you know, seventies animation, like uh, I kind of like fat Albert or Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Those are kind of the ones that kind of popped out to me because a lot of, um, a lot of realistic, not realistic, but not a lot of like crazy outlandish characters, but like a lot of human cartoons that they use. And it's kind of little variations of that. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of reminded, of, reminded me of that. And something contemporary, I would say more like a Captain a Captain Planet, maybe. Huh, okay. Um, maybe just because, like I said, that's one of the main shows I can remember. It's mostly just people before he gets to his villains and stuff like that. So I, I think... Uh, the animation, like I said, more 70s, you know, kind of reminded me older, older animation, even though at this point, what well, was 80, what was the year it came 83. out? 83. Okay, so I could see maybe they, maybe somebody from the, the old old guard from the uh, late 70s came in and uh, were still animating for that. So that's kind of what it reminded me of. Okay, awesome, awesome. Charlie, what were your impressions? Well, it's funny that you said 70s, Carlos, because I was sort of, I made a note in the doc that it kind of reminded me of like, scrappy do if the animators had been allowed to drink at lunch (laughs) i mean obviously the copies that we were watching you know you're kind of at the mercy of whatever medium they were on before they were put on youtube but even still it's looking a little ragged right in my opinion no i mean it's 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 very ruby spears if you've seen any other ruby spears so so i am not as well versed in that what are some of their other shows uh, sure. So I, I, well, I'll draw a parallel to something that I think you might be a little bit familiar with. So Ruby Spears and Hanna-Barbera had a lot of the very similar kind of art style in terms of what they had, which is very thin lines, very minimal shading. In fact, in many cases, the shading or the detail went into the environment and not necessarily the character itself. Uh, and so this has a very kind of very, uh, I'll agree, it has a very uh, 70s and 80s style uh, you know, especially in the the nostalgic, uh, I want to say apparel that they were wearing. They kind of had like bell bottoms on, uh, so like Scooby Doo, like yeah. they kind of look like some Scooby Doo characters. Uh, you would see even nobody though, has an ascot though, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> no ascots. So you know, you, but you had like a baseball or a ringer tee like on Ronaldo, which were very common during that time. Yeah, uh, you know, and so you you saw a lot of that particular touch. Uh, and even I'll say this: there was a, a moment in our episode where they there's a chase scene, and even just that running animation that, that they had that made me think that of was Scooby-Doo a, that was a hundred percent Scooby Doo and Hanna Barbera. So I was, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see how much of those two, like Ruby Spears and and HB, kind of had played off one another. Yep. And, and so to to see that Ruby Spears being, you know, a, a little bit of a smaller production house, but they've done some like massive cartoons. So it, it's, 
it's interesting to kind of always see like when they pop up because I'm just like, okay, here's gonna be here's gonna be something that's gonna be a very interesting in terms of like Ruby Spears. <laughs> Can't wait to get into it. Um, but yeah, so that was sort of my impression as well about just the the animation style. And and to answer your question, I think probably the notable mo- Ruby Spears cartoons that a lot of people would would know would be Herculoids and Space Ghost. Oh yeah. So those are okay. those are like square within the the Ruby Spears kind of entertainment. But I mean they've done they've done a ton. In fact, they did one of probably one of my favorite cartoons that we've reviewed, uh, which has been Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was, you know, in the age of super science, you know, <laughs> one of those crazy, like grandiose statements about the end of the world and sort of the fallout and swords and cool stuff are back in style. And man. You know, that was such a, a pleasant uh, discovery when we finally came across that. Uh, they also, uh, Ruby Spears had worked on the 1983 version of Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh. So, which we have recently talked about yep. too. So I'd be remiss. Definitely uh, rock my fair share Alvin the Chipmunks cassettes. Yeah, exactly. I still want my hula hoop. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get it, buddy. <laughs> God damn it. Not with those hips, Charlie. God damn it, Dave. <laughs> We're getting really good at impressions. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all just like high voice, <laughs> speed it up. Yeah, <laughs> just change the pitch. You're fine. Well, we, we've, we've talked a little bit about some of these characters. We've obviously talked about Rubik. We've thrown out Lisa, Ronaldo, uh, Carlos, some of these characters. So I wanted to sort of get into this. Carlos, what were some particular characters uh, from this cartoon um, that you really that you really enjoyed, uh, that you really uh, either were attached to, or you can also give me the opposite, and you can just say, what were some characters that you absolutely hated from this? Uh, well, I can't say that I got attached to any of them yet. <laughs> uh, I, I will I will explore more episodes, but I guess uh, you know from this one episode, I would say maybe. Uh, one of the brothers could go either Ronaldo or Carlos. I think, I, I think they got too many, too many, too many people in this in this party. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know who I don't like. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't hate on the the kid who has my own name, but then Ronaldo's just the older, you know, more moral more compass brother kind of a guy. I don't know. Um, in this particular episode, though, I think Bruno. I didn't really like Bruno. You didn't really like Bruno. I think he he was definitely like a copycat of like a uh a Scooby Doo like type uh type archetype or like villain of some sort. Right. He's de- uh, he, he's definitely a henchman. You know, yeah, sort a little of like, henchman of some sort. Yeah, he's not the main villain. He's not the big bad, but he's he's like the helper. And without knowing too much about Rubik's backstory, it is tough to kind of connect with Rubik because you don't know what all his powers are. Oh, you don't boy. really know what his connection is. How do you, <laughs> you know from the intro what his like quick backstory is but like he sometimes comes off like he's like annoyed with them yeah and right now you know from the theme song you really know that the only magic power that he has is just ditching bicycles (laughs) yeah and that's it that's really that's really where he is right now uh can you can you tell me because you know we we watched the first episode they really do and you're correct they really do drop you right in to rubik and don't give you a ton of backstory or explanation, at least in this first episode. What were some of the powers that you observed that Rubik has? So he can levitate right. himself and others. Um, not There's no weight, weight limit to this. It can be 
a trash can or an entire boat. Right. Um, <laughs> he's literally like a little Yoda. I swear to God, because that's pretty much what his power. He might as well just have the ear. Does he have the ears coming out? He, I think he does. But he's like a little mini Yoda, so there's no weight limit or capacity to that. Um, I couldn't remember what else I saw he him do. It was a lot of levitation. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of flying and levitation and kind of navigating around danger or peril. I able to control like the villain. Did he? What did he like? Wrap his powers around the villains and move them around or something like that. So he can like if if you piss Rubik off like. You could do some serious damage. Rubik will put you in a wheelchair. <laughs> He'll put you in the corner for sure. <laughs> He'll put you in cement shoes. If you're yeah, not that was horrifying. Did, yeah, I th- when I saw that part, I was like, oh, yeah, they think us stupid kids, you just step in cement and it's dry. But then he was all like super dry. I was like, oh, Rubik's not messing around. Yeah. Rubik, maybe Rubik worked for the mob before that. <laughs> Oh yeah, like Rubik. Uh, we need you to toss another one in the river. That he would have been a terrible powerful Italian tool accent. for like a Gambino crime family or something. Yeah, <laughs> you just feed him a piece of candy, and then your problems disappear. Right. Super simple. That's it. Candy for a body. Because <laughs> 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 that's a fair trade for the mob. God. Oh, I, I like this new uh, murder economy that we've come up with so far. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. We're gonna create the Netflix uh, dark side of uh, Rubik, the, oh. ni- the nine sto- nine episode story. We're gonna find out about that wizard too. Oh, I want to. I'm I'm in for the dark version. If of it Rubik. was produced by the people who do like Riverdale and Sabrina, I'm in. Oh yeah, I there's would... a lot of like steamy teens who are really thirty. Oh man, can you imagine just like some really <laughs> steamy Rubik scenes? <laughs> like Rubik, suck me off. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> or just the entire time he's just like. How's it going, girl? Want to try to solve me? <laughs> I love it. It's perfectly. It makes sense. I like where it's going. Yep. I already like where this is going. I'm going to green light it right now. Call us, Ted. Yeah. Sarandos of Netflix. <laughs> exactly. So we we kind of have been talking about this. What were some other powers that you observed that Rubik had? Because I've noticed a bunch, and they're, they're, they're confusing. I'm kind of confounded a little bit by by what this cube can do. So I think Carlos hit on all the ones I can remember. So it was like mostly levitation. He could dry the cement. Right. And yeah, fly. I feel like they were skirting by on a lot of the like flying slash levitation. So I, I have two additional powers that then came up that I found to be very frustrating. Deus Ex Machina kind of MacGuffin tools where they were just like, oh yeah, he can also do this. One, he could fly through walls. So that means that like he could phase in and out. Oh, that's right. There's that one scene, you know, in the very beginning where we find Rubik when he gets kind of, uh, you know, unshuffled or like kind of he gets scrambled, he falls through a floorboard. But there's other parts where he just transports himself through a brick wall. And I was like, which one is it, buddy? Stop. (laughs) Like there was a part of me that's like, yeah, pick one. I was like, how much of this is you just wanting to fuck with other people? (laughs) And just being like, uh-oh, I fell through some floorboards. Come and figure me out. Just the entire time. And then there was another one where at some point, uh, somebody, I, I believe it was Bruno, was holding on to Rubik. And Rubik just expands his size exponentially so that suddenly Bruno can't grasp him anymore yeah yeah, yeah. and so there's these parts where he's like making himself bigger and then smaller again so i mean we we've talked a lot on this show about how you know 
you'll see this in uh, Warner Brothers cartoons, like Looney Tunes cartoons, like when they, they reach into that hammer space uh, kind of behind their back or like in a pouch, like Popples would reach like into their little like tummy bags and then pull out whatever the hell they needed in order to solve a problem. But it almost feels like instead of having Rubik reach into hammer space, he just is hammer space. Like anything he needs in order to solve a problem, he's like, I'm just going to do it. Like I'm just, I'm going to, don't worry about it, gang. I got to, I'm going to figure it out. Can't trust these preteens to take care of our problems. <laughs> I, I will say this though. I really did like the fact that a lot of this cartoon focused around the, the, the interaction of these three siblings. Um, and I loved the fact that there were times where I, you, you saw some individual personalities, like the Carlos character that we had that was on here, like he was pretty fearless. You know, we, we had Ronaldo as sort of the big brother. He was a little bit more kind of like reserved, uh, maybe scared. There was definitely some moments where they sort of put some pressure on him and they definitely had an audible like gulp, like in, <laughs> like in his throat. So there, there's, he has, I, I think, sort of a moral compass. You know, he, he's, he's realistic. He's cautiously optimistic, maybe, which is what I kind of always describe myself as. So I, I, can, I can empathize and relate. And then we have Lisa, uh, who I feel is just, it's very challenging because when you look at some of these older cartoons, you realize just kind of how sexist <laughs> they are in certain cases. And at some point, they just tell Lisa, they're like, you can't come. Girls can't run fast. And she's like, fuck you like i can run as fast as, as yeah. the both of you so i mean I, I like seeing her stick up for herself but at the same part I'm, at the same point i don't like really seeing the fact that they had to put in some of these like very kind of like sneaky things suddenly as well as also with the mom character oh man that well talking about mom the mom all it is is about the diet and she looks great she's like oh this is gonna ruin my diet but whatever like that's yeah. what she's focusing on right it's just one single piece of candy and she's like oh i know i shouldn't do this if i get a little too thick your father will be upset yeah exactly <laughs> the implication is there yeah you know what i think you're gonna be fine after that one reese's cup yeah i, it'll think, be you're, all right, I think you're gonna be okay so <laughs> well that was kind of like in the robot chicken clip that you shared with us yeah from this was very much on the like sexism angle yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if, if everybody's not familiar, Robot Chicken did a fantastic spoof of Rubik with uh, the two brothers and the sister sort of uh, uncovering some treasure. It looks like it's in Egypt. I mean, yeah. it's in a desert with a pyramid. And so I'm, I'm making some assumptions, but there's only so many places in the world that yeah. have <laughs> that topology and those specific artifacts. So it, it's it's interesting to kind of see that. Uh, it's definitely worth your time if you have watched Rubik to see how crazy it gets because it is insane. That's it, a real deep cut. For, I mean, yeah. that's one reason I enjoy Robot Chicken is like they, like in the one they did like about Mask, which I know you've yes. done another previous episode about the real Mask. But yes. It's, it's always good to see and have sort of that insider baseball knowledge. And I think that I enjoy robot chicken that much more i mean i love the show to begin with but to now have the additional context of all the cartoons that they're they're playing around and joking with it just makes it that much richer for oh me. yeah their ref yeah. their reference game is on point uh it's fantastic i agree any any final 
questions. I mean, we we had a we had a villain in this. It, you know, I would say like the henchman was really more Bruno the henchman uh kind of made a bigger impression to me than the villain. Yeah, is it just because of the mouth breathing that he did? I think 100%. I think that's it. That's all <laughs> me, of it. Yeah. Me personally. <laughs> And the close-up on his face was like, man, they could have spent a little more time on that animation. <laughs> I mean, they're cost-saving wherever they can. I guess so. Dr. Dr. Angus was like all handsome and stuff, too. They're just like, they didn't try to make him like, a, like an ugly, evil villain. Like He's like this handsome, no. mad scientist. And you, you bring up a great point, Carlos, is that far too often when we have villains or when we, have, when we actually have the villain in any of these cartoons... They're they're drawn ugly, or they're the color purple or blue, or they they shade them in a very specific way, and they they isolate to show that they're the villain. This villain is just like I'm doing science in a basement of a haunted house, and I'm DTF. <laughs> like, <laughs> like swipe swipe right on me, ladies. Holla at you, mad scientist. Hey, if you like a touch of gray, you could do work. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of a little silver fox scientist. Yeah, yeah he's got a little Handsome. bit. And I mean, think about it comparatively to his wingman, Bruno. I mean, he's a stud. Yeah, well, maybe he uh, like horribly keeps Bruno around to kind of be like, ladies, look at you know, what you could have. <laughs> I think that's a terrible comparison. I mean, it's a shitty move, but it could be something he's doing. I mean, fair. That, that is possible. Any, any final questions about the characters for Rubik? Does he have a stomach? <laughs> oh, good question. Do you think that Rubik doesn't have a stomach? I mean, he can consume human food like no problem. I guess well, we don't ever see the other end when that's he's tr- yeah. That's true. That's <laughs> true. What if, you, what if you fold the end into the front? You never, you never know. Um, oh. <laughs> and I guess does he uh, have a, a kill mode? Because like Spider Man, can he go into instant kill mode? Hmm. That would be so horrifying with same voice, but like the red eyes. Like instant just the, kill mode. And just the giggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like spikes erupt from every angle. After seeing some and, of his like dark side turn on Bruno, I'm like, man, like I said, don't piss off Rubik. He could do uh, get some stuff done to you. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. going to throw, we've said it before, he's going to throw a boat at you if, you, if you're frustrated. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's, that's very weird. So for tonight's plot discussion, we mentioned the episode that we've talked about. We've mentioned the episode that we've watched tonight. Encourage you to go out and check it out. Uh, we're obviously not going to go beat by beat through the entire episode. Instead, we've got some high-level thematic questions. And so first one uh, that I want to throw out to you guys is for a toy that really didn't need a backstory, what was your impression, reaction, and feeling about the story that they created for Rubik? And so, Carlos, what was your what was your feeling about this story? Could you have done it better? Um, yes, always you can think you can do a little bit better, but for this one, they they've they've created such a intricate backstory for an inanimate object. Like they gave it the magician falling off a stagecoach in 1983. Um, they 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 really put in the effort to give it some sort of a creative backstory, but. Uh, for my first reactions though is like, you kind of have to go with it because there are no expectations going into it. Like you don't, you, you're not. When you think of the Rubik's cube, you don't think of the origins of what a character can be. Whatever they come up with, I'm just gonna go with. 
And right. you know what they came up with, I think it was decent enough. I I, I like the uh, the magician aspect of it, but uh, and then for him to be running around with this uh, uh, with the Latin family with the with the kids, I think is a good idea. But it it was a little it took me back a little bit, but because you you hear about Rubik's cube and you think this is going to be another corporate exploitation type of like cash grab, but kind of put right. some effort into it, so I'll give him E for effort. Okay. And and possibly an E for everyone. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a pretty family friendly, pretty family friendly cartoon. Charlie, what about you? Uh, any any specific impressions about the story that they created? Do you think you could do it better? Um, I mean, kind of as Carlos said. I mean, I would love to be able to say yes, but sort of the challenge of such a blank slate. And it is so funny to me. You know, you were talking about at the top that this was packaged alongside Pac Man, which. Right. I mean, at least there's a video game that you could play, and then he had Miss Pac-Man, at least. Like, there's something there. But you've got two kind of properties with really... I mean, at least Pac-Man, you've got a little bit more of a, like, writing prompt, right? Right. Like, you know, natural antagonists in the, in the ghost. What is the Rubik Cube's natural antagonist? Like, your own frustration and mental limits? <laughs> So, which I'm glad they did not make a cartoon about. That would be really boring. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be dark too. We gotta add that. <laughs> yeah, add that into the Netflix. Series. That's in the Netflix <laughs> one. It's series. Just, yep. Just, I've been trying to solve this cube yeah, forever. Is it ever gonna get complete? Yeah, the dark reboot is all about nihilism. <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, they they put some effort into it. Certainly, I mean, it wasn't a total like fart out an idea. At the same time. There's a lot of weird shit. Like, why is it a baby? The comment on the YouTube page that you sent us, what the top one was like, it would be good if he hadn't had the baby head. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sort of like a baby cross with a demon, but like a friendly baby demon. Unless, friendly baby demon. Unless you're pissed. A friendly baby um, demon. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's an oxymoron at some point, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm good with it. It's, it's a great band name. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Friendly baby demon. I uh I I I'm gonna agree with you guys. I feel like this there was definitely it felt like some effort and I think that the challenges with the blank slate, you know, that there's a lot of directions that you could go in. I would be interested to watch that backstory episode to figure out what this evil magician was doing. I don't know that I would change the character design though. I I I'm kinda weirded out about this because I mean it is for all intents and purposes, at the end of the theme song, when you get the like, oh, you're like, oh, is this what I'm going to be hearing the entire time? I didn't feel that they did it that much in the actual episode itself. So they, they give you an impression or an expectation at the end of the theme song that it's going to be this horrible, pitchy, weird baby voice. And then you get into the episode and he's like, hey, what's up? Candle's good. You're like, Okay, like this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I like Meatwad on Aqua Teen Hunger Force <laughs> and he's vocally not dissimilar. Correct. I think the other thing is, you know, do, do right now. <laughs> at least they took a big swing on it. Like they could have just as easily done painted like two dots and a smile on the three dimensional cube or right. done like googly eyes or something. I would have loved googly eyes. I mean, that would be cool. If you would have put googly yeah. eyes. No, you're right. Oh. The, the the effort was put in there, and um, I I think for me, it's like 
make a choice. Give him legs, let him walk around. Or if he's going to float, <laughs> he's going to float all the time. No one's going to walk. If you can float, you're not walking anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> That's why I, I took it to left field there. No, but, uh, no. I mean, if he's just going to fly and he's going to levitate everywhere, then what, what really is the purpose of legs other than just to kind of allow him to, to like, it's like landing gear. Yeah. For a magic cube where it's like, oh, let's just have him stand for a little bit, you know. Uh, that could have been, if they would have taken out his legs, that's an entirely new port, like portion of the budget that they could have used for Bruno's face. There you know, you there's, there's a lot Fill that they in. probably could have done. Yeah, right. Uh, I also think, too, that if you had added the head, Rubik's head on top of the cube, and so it was like head, cube body, legs, that would have been even more disturbing. To oh, that at. would be weird. I yeah. don't want to think about like Rubik, because then it's like, well, he's he probably should have like a butthole if he has <laughs> legs, and we're assuming the cube he needs contains two cheeks coming out organs. the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's he's not wearing pants. I mean, are these it's like true. are they are they like are they like the same color like as his face? Yes. Are they just like yeah? They're, they're lighter. <laughs> well, they're not lighter because they they're exposed, so they're the same color. Yeah. <laughs> He's just too weird. He's getting the yeah equal amount of. So are you uh, saying the version that we have is the perfect version? There's no like no other way we could do it. No, we just pitched it with butt cheeks. Yeah, I want butt cheeks on a Rubik. Okay, (laughs) what are we talking about? That's perfect. And totally either totally CGI or a very grotesque uh, puppet, kind of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse grotesque puppet. God, he he just poops out little tiny little uh, little squares. Colored squares. Yeah, there you go. That would have been weird. That this just made me remember there was a toy that I had in the eighties. They were called Boglins, and they were like these little like finger puppet characters that you would put over your fingers, and it looked like a little like I guess bog slash goblin. And so then you could kind of like make their faces move with your. Oh yeah, I I think I'm. I've seen these. Uh, they were like creepy and weird, but then they had like a very weird kind of like flesh kind of texture to them that was like in between like silicone and, and like kind of like a weird skin. But just for some reason, it suddenly just reminded me of that. And like to have your hand behind that puppet, that Boglin puppet controlling Rubik's face. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah, that's funny because I'm actually having the uh, for next week, the guy who invented those, Tim Clark. Are you serious? Whoa! Designed those, so yeah. Shit! Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Perfect segue. Oh, that's awesome. Today. <laughs> Perfect segue. No, that's great. Uh, so I, I think I think we've officially and authoritatively answered question one. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, uh, you know, just in particular to the the episode that we watched tonight because uh, there was a lot. There was a lot that was in this episode, just in terms of there was a Halloween theme. Uh, the haunted kind of the haunted house in a neighborhood trope that you have mad scientist uh i don't there was a ship captain at some point in time so uh, there was even like a kidnapping that was included here and so i wanted to ask just for this episode in general were there any particular questions or 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 like wtf moments that you had watching this that you wanted to particularly discuss carlos anything from you I think we we discussed earlier just trying to get a handle on what exactly Rubik's powers are because he just uses such a variety. And for you, like you said, just 
when the plot needed him to use it. So I was like, did they ever establish in another episode that Rupert can do this, this, and this? So I'm not because right. uh, you say we just watched the one episode. And it, it, is there this episode you keep talking about that is this backstory, or is this what we want, or does it exist? I feel like that's the question, like the existential question for Rubik. <laughs> is he just the thing that you want or does he just simply exist, you know, as a thing that you want? I, I feel like that's Whoa. what's weird. Boom. Probably not. This but still. Boom goes to dynamite. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's just very weird because you're right. Like, I mean, he just seems to be able to do everything and then also nothing at all. Yeah. You know, he'll crash through a floorboard and completely scramble himself. He'll cause property damage and then be like, oh, no, I'm unusable now suddenly. <laughs> yeah. What if he does this and nobody, none of the kids are around? Like, he's gone forever. Right. Yeah. If these kids grow out of him and they're just like, we don't really want you anymore, Rubik. Like, what, what does he do then? Does he just say, I'm going up to, like, a big Rubik cube in the sky? Or does he? <laughs> or what if he's like, I can't die. <laughs> It just this haunts him forever. They just pack it. They just unscramble him and put him in like a soundproof box. Oh my god! I, 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 I don't or know. he he's more like Wolverine, and he just ages slower than everyone else. Ugh. <laughs> just and then there's just like an old man Rubik with the, with oh, a beard be... and all like all scratches <laughs> all over him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would watch that. Yeah, I would definitely that. do old man Rubik. Yeah, I would do old man Rubik. <laughs> Charlie, any particular WTF moments or, or questions from watching this, you know, as we've talked about sort of understanding the powers of Rubik, anything that you walked away with that you were like, I I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I think I got what they were going for. Right. It's all like pretty goofy. Um, nothing beyond what we've discussed so far. Okay. Because I think like, I mean, one thing that you might say is maybe like kind of hands-off parenting, but I also think... In 1983, <laughs> yeah. that was pretty standard. Yeah, that's just a 2019. That's just the it. way it was. Ooh. Yeah. Also, yeah. I have no children, so I can't really comment. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to bring up a very interesting and kind of weird note uh, before we get into our final question. Uh, I was looking and doing a little bit of research, and I came across a uh, a blog. And I I apologize if I if I get this wrong for this person who uh, I reached out to on Twitter. I think it's pronounced a uh, cookie wook or a cookie wookie. Uh, he brings up a great point and I, I'm going to throw this out to you guys okay. and see if you can help me understand the movie. Because when I realized this, I was like, Oh, this is pretty chilling. All right. Unlimited power within a box. And when the box is unshuffled or when the, the potential problem box isn't solved, no problems. But the moment you solve the box, Suddenly, that power is unleashed on the world. This is the plot of the horror film Hellraiser. <laughs> I've never seen Hellraiser. Oh, no, you've never seen Hellraiser? Uh, okay. Uh, Pinhead, the guy with all the... Yeah, so I'm familiar with the image. Right, so they have like a puzzle box concept that's in this, and it's always somebody finding the puzzle box, solving it, and it unleashes hell on Earth. Ah. Uh, and then they're scrambling to, you know like unsolve the puzzle gotcha. and send him back to hell. And so uh, at this moment when I was reading this, this blogger's review of just like, I'm pretty sure I thought that this plot was Hellraiser. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you might be right. I got to watch that after yeah, this. It's, you're going you're gonna to love it and you're going to hate it. So 
it's a uh, 80s horror film that I think it te- I think it stands the test of time but it's one of those that like as more and more sequels get added they just get crazier and crazier I think they're rebooting it too it's definitely coming back oh, here oh well, we go. yeah I thought I saw a headline about that can't wait if if there's a cameo with Rubik in there that's <laughs> or it's just perfect. like on somebody's desk yes <laughs> just a little call off Yes, and there's just an office scene of somebody with a box, like, you know, and they have it, and it's Charlie behind a desk, and he's like, how did I get into this movie? And you're just like, oh, you're in Hellraiser now, friend. <laughs> but I haven't seen it, but you're in it. Like, oh, no wonder I haven't seen it. Yeah. Because in that universe, it doesn't exist. <laughs> but I'm living it now. So for the final question tonight, I wanted to talk about the idea that, you know, we obviously have a cartoon that centers around... I, I want to say it's sort of a an educational toy, you know, something that, you know, isn't necessarily just sort of like a a toy that's necessarily derived from a cartoon. You know, this was something where the where Erno Rubik had created this this toy, sold it, and it had obviously been very popular. Uh, but what I wanted to know is that is there another toy from the eighties? that you would want to give a random backstory to. Now, I know that you joked about the hula hoop earlier, but is there a toy that you played with, you know, that that kind of was uh, in that vein of it didn't have a cartoon associated with it. Maybe it was a board game, like a Jenga or something like that. Something that you would be like, I want to give a backstory much like they did with the Rubik Cube. Oh, I have a thought, Carlos, unless... You want to go? Go for it. I'll, I'll jump in so after this, you. This isn't an '80s toy, but kind of along the same lines of something a little bit more active. Is like, what if, what if there was Bop It? The, the, yeah. <laughs> the I'm on the series. I'm on the same page with you. <laughs> yes. I'm very close to your thought. But I could see that. I could see it going one of two ways. I could see it being like PBS could pick that up okay. and make it like very wholesome and family friendly, uh, like a group of friends who are always on them. Like it could just be sort of like subliminal messaging about exercise essentially okay um or it could just be like you know an underground fight club that only uses the bop (laughs) people emerge like bruised and bloodied in the year 20 xx right yeah it is the only weapon you see like the drone footage of a city that's just pretty much decimated and like garbage cans on fire it's like robocop and they're like twist it (laughs) right yeah pull it it. Uh, pull it Pop it. Yeah, maybe Bop It is like a bomb if they don't Ooh. continue to do, if somebody has to always be on watch. Like they have to, almost like a Simon Says that you have to like go through the combination in order to defuse the bomb. Yeah. Oh man, I like Ooh. it. Yeah. I would be, I'd be curious. Some sort of hellish game. Oof. Oh, I like that. Carlos, any, any ideas from you? So I think I've always wanted a dedicated mythology to the play school viewfinder. Oh, so maybe the viewfinder is like it's in a time capsule. We'll do like a like a Jumanji. Like these people find it, these kids find it and they start looking at it. And maybe like predicts like future tragic events that they have to every time they click it, there's a new event that they have to like go stop or something before it happens. So sort of like Final Destination style. Yeah, exactly. With the viewfinder. I that is creepy, and I love it. I'm into that. <laughs> I'm very into that whole idea. So I think Man. the viewfinder could have a dark side to it. Yeah. I like this. Netflix, if you're listening, and I know you are. <laughs> we got it. At every We're episode. dropping gold this <laughs> you're making. They're making pretty much anything. They can make this. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the viewfinder is great. Well, because you've got pretty much an unlimited set of stories to tell based on like whatever somebody crams in it. Put like a, yeah, just put like a new little, what was it? The little, uh, little picture sort of slides on there. Circles. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but on the viewfinder, there was that little toggle switch mm-hmm. that you would do and yeah. like, and it would rotate the, the disc. And so, it could be like you're seeing yourself and it's like behind you. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. It's like I'm going for a, I'm going or it was like a conjuring style uh, <laughs> direction in this. Where out, you're, out of you're all the seeing. ideas we've had, none of them have been happy. We've taken them all dark. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what we're trying to say is that we're really excited to be sponsored this week by the reboot of Hellraiser. <laughs> so. We should have mentioned, I know that this is obviously, this is a, an auditory or an audible format and uh and carlos is dressed up like pinhead right now and so <laughs> could not be more excited <laughs> could not be more excited i i had a couple toys that i was thinking about one um was uh along the lines of what charlie had mentioned was a uh, skip it oh yeah you know the whole mm-hmm. idea of like the skip, skip it. it skip right it. I, I kind of wanted like a random backstory of like this thing that like gets like attached to like to your leg. Um, but I, I, I could see it obviously going from that assessment or from that pitch going in a dark direction. But I could also see it as being something where it's like it's attached to your leg and like it requires friends to help you figure out how to get it off or it requires like a group of friends to to come together to, you know, to actually, you know, skip over top of it in order to, to release it. Ultimately though, I keep going back to these horror themed yeah, ideas. Still horrible. It's not, not good. Yeah, we can't get away. <laughs> you know, I, I hate the fact that like the other, the other idea was one of those like a barnyard, um, like, like a speak and say things where like it has like, it was a kid's toy like in the eighties where like, you know, you, you pull the rip cord and then, like, it would rotate the little arrow to, like, a different animal. Oh, like, yeah. The yeah. cow yes. says moo. And be like, perfect. I had one of those when I was a kid. I loved it. Uh, but, like, you know, again, I'll go in the same direction. Let's just make it dark. <laughs> like, let's just make it creepy as well, possible. Well, maybe that one takes place in, like, a slaughterhouse. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. <laughs> Keep keep going down the rabbit hole. Let's do it. Or it could have just been like a very farm friendly kind of like 4-H club, you know, where it's a speed like that, like that toy kind of like floating around sort of like a Rubik helping kids with like their chores on the farm and like explaining to them about like animals and like different things. And like you pull the ripcord and it was like a factoid about like cow's milk. Oh, I'm just trying not to make it so drastic. I think you have a future PBS. (laughs) yeah i mean they are nearby where you live i mean it's very true and we just did the magic school bus for our previous episode too so you know we're we're in that educational track right now gang we're really more in the magic ghoul bus of pitches otherwise (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty good damn it those if anybody else for not being a a sweet dad joke yeah. <laughs> if anybody else has any other Magic School Bus related puns, please at Charlie and me. Yeah, I want to hear them. I guarantee it's probably going to be Ellis Abrams. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. I'm here for it. So we have had an opportunity to talk a lot about our impressions, our thoughts, our feelings about Rubik. So, but guess what? You listening right now. Yeah, you listening out there right now at this exact moment. It turns out you guys have some opinions about Rubik as well. And so, we want to make sure that we have an opportunity to honor 
those reviews. And so we're now going to turn it over to longtime listener in front of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It is titled, He's Colorful, Magical, Laughable, by Servo Program 10 in February 2003. This one says, Rubik the Amazing Cube was yet another well-remembered 80s cartoon based on 80s pop culture, namely the best-selling game puzzle cube of the same name. Rubik was an alien with an amazing array of powers, but was rendered powerless in every sense when his colored sides were misaligned. Usually the slightest tumble caused this to occur. I remember how animals would nudge Rubik, causing him to misalign. Some animals actually realigned Rubik as well. It was refreshing to see some ethnic diversity within the show, as well as the family who cared for Rubik were of Latin descent. The opening theme was performed by Latin sensation group Menudo, who were also featured as a, a part of ABC's Saturday morning programming schedule the season that Rubik ran. And our hated is titled Before There Was Dora the Explorer by Isaj121113 in March 2006. Before There Was Dora the Explorer, there was Rubik's Cube. I'm willing to bet this was the first U.S. English cartoon featuring a primarily Hispanic Latino cast of characters. I don't remember much about the individual episodes, but I knew that the people were Hispanic. The accents were sometimes annoying as heck, but the cartoon filled the time well, especially if the Smurfs were running a repeat story. Like any toy gimmick cartoon, it was three years past its freshness date and doomed to being canceled after 13 episodes. Dora the Explorer seems to borrow a lot from Rubik's Cube, particularly because it relies on inanimate objects that will on occasion talk to people. It's always weird to see love it or hate it where it's not really much of a hate it, but it, it's people who are really kind of talking about the fact that you know, they recognize that there there really was some good and fantastic representation and diversity in terms of the cast. Um, you know, I know that we've kind of talked about the the two brothers and the sister. And I, I would probably venture to say that over the course of the 13 episodes, you do get a little bit of personality from each one of them. But I kind of like them as sort of this like sibling unit, you know, doing things together. Like I, I mean, I have a sibling. I didn't do a ton with them like when we kind of got to that age it was sort of you you made your own friends you did your own things like you know but it's nice to sort of see these three kids kind of hanging out and continue to do that i really do the, appreciate and like the fact that the the love it or hate it at least like addressed and talked about that a little bit too always fantastic plus bobby anthem what a gem <laughs> what a what a true what a, what a true gem what a guy. of the world he's the best so we're now at the point where we get to give our recommendations about Rubik, the amazing cube. And so uh, for any new listeners out there, we can recommend a cartoon and we can tell you why we're recommending it. We can also say we don't recommend a cartoon and we can give you our justification. If we don't recommend something, we can go one step further and we can give it the dip. Yes, the Roger Rabbit style dip. You dunk it, it erases it from the annals of cartoon history and it is uh, democracy on this show so it's a uh, if we have two people who vote in that direction uh, we can dip a cartoon so i want to turn it over to our guest carlos thank you so much for being here tonight uh what 
is your impression of Rubik recommend or not recommend? So like we talked about, I, I've had a bias against the show just since I've known of its existence. I figured it was this corporate exploit. So I didn't give it much of a chance. Uh, I've only talked about it vaguely without really watching an episode. I listened, don't get me wrong, I listened to that intro more than I've actually seen any other images of this uh, of this show. But um, but after watching the entire episode, and even though the plot was a little crazy, I felt that they put enough effort into creating the character out of, like, like I said, this inanimate object. They created a little bit of a good backstory. I did like the Latin like demographic they were going for. I had no idea that was an angle they were going for. And so for me, going back retrospectively, yes, I probably would have enjoyed it if I was growing up. So now looking back at it, I never thought I'd say it, but I would recommend people <laughs> check out Rubik, the amazing cube. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Carlos. Charlie, how are we feeling, buddy? Okay. So I'm normally a hater, but I have to, I'm just going to say it up front and then give my justification. This is a recommend for me. All right. And I'm going to tell you why. Cause it's so fucking weird. <laughs> I think that I was drawn to doing this app because it's such a strange concept. I can't think of anything else like it, you know, where yeah. there's a, a toy with no backstory given a totally like balls to the wall <laughs> animated persona that only exists under certain conditions and has sort of an unlimited power set. Plus you've got the sibling element, you've got the Latin element, which is pretty unique. I mean, at bare minimum, like eat a weed gummy and watch it on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yep. which I did not do. I watched, I watched the episode twice, totally sober. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I did not. But <laughs> <laughs> noise. Um, but yeah, you could do you could do so much worse than Rubik, and it is just like real weird. So I I think it deserves a recommend. I, I'm we're three for three in terms of recommendations. I recommend Rubik as well. I, I really came into this thinking that I was going to go in the opposite direction and I was proved wrong. And I, Charlie, I a hundred percent agree with you. This show and Carlos, this show is weird. It doesn't have any right to be weird. It doesn't have any right to exist, but it is here. It is bonkers insane. It doesn't have to a hundred percent make sense. But for me, this sort of felt like, that truly nostalgic moment that we really created this podcast for in general, which is to get back to some of these weird fucking cartoons that pop up that are, that are might not be in your immediate zeitgeist. It might be sort of at the very, the fringe, but then you jump into it and you're like, okay, yeah, this, this served a purpose. Like this had a reason to exist, you know, even if it's just to, you know, kind of cringe at the fact that Horshack, you know, did this, this, weird digital voice for this cartoon like it, it's it's there it's enjoyable it's not insulting in any way shape or form except for the obvious caveat of the sexism that's yeah that's that's pretty could, insulting but could have could have really done without that and and but, all the like the like the cliches you talked about in regards to the plots and everything it seems like it's a cliche now because we've seen them so many times but this was the early 80s so they kind of were like maybe borrowing but they're also were kind of new to that kind of uh device when it comes to plot for sure. Exactly. And I think that that what you just said, Carlos, really, really hits it on the head. This felt new. I don't feel like I've ever watched anything else that's really been like this show with the obvious exception of Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> and so for that, I have to recommend Rubik. Man, awesome. three for three. Yeah, three for did three. You guys think that, did you guys think that we were going to get there three for three on Rubik? 
No, no, not when, at all. when you sent me the notes, I'm like, I can't wait to talk how much I hate this. I can't. Really, and then I watched <laughs> the episode. I'm like, what is happening? What's happening uh, here? Yeah. Do I like this? Yeah. And well, welcome to every episode of this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens to me consistently. Well, there you go. We recommend Rubik. You should check it out. 13 episodes. Uh, do it sober or or with a weed gummy, according to Charlie. Yeah, baby. But definitely worth your time to to check out and enjoy Rubik. So, Carlos, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you. Uh, anything that you'd like to plug, and where can the good folks find you online? Uh, yeah. So uh, next week's podcast, like I mentioned earlier, we have Tim Clark, who uh, is a toy and mu- a puppet designer. Uh, for Can't like wait. Jim Henson and Sesame Street and Dark Crystal. So he'll be on next week. So everyone stay tuned for that. But episodes come out every Thursday. So you can check it out on all the podcast apps like uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and then Infirmary Media Podcast Network. And then we're on all social media like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Be Kind Rewind Pod. So again, thank you for, for having me on this, for, for changing my mind keep, and opening my mind to Rubik. I love it. I love it. That's what we're that's what we're here to try to do. Every episode, <laughs> do we succeed? Probably not. Awesome. Well, thank you, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Charlie, what's going on with you, buddy? What do you got going on? Where can the good folks find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Sweaty in the City on Twitter because I made that before I decided to make anything worthwhile. Um, where you can at me at your various. <laughs> Wishes. Uh, the social media platform where I really spend most time is Instagram at CA Viscanage. Um, given when this comes out, uh, myself, Sean, and Melanie, your lovely wife, just finished a show. Yeah. And it was amazing and exceeded all of our expectations. Perfect. That's what <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. So excited. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it, man. Uh, and it's CA Viscanage on your, your IG, right? Yep. Got it. All right. Well, you heard him on this week's episode, our friend Bobby Anthem. Go check him out on Twitter, at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message. Show him some love. He is simply the best. As for me, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. You can find tickets and times witdc.org. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Want to support us? Yeah, this little show. Tell a friend, review us, and subscribe on Apple iTunes. Slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Remember, that's morning with a U. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old-fashioned email, Saturday Morning Cartoons at Gmail. And you can find all of our links, all of our contact information in our link tree that's in the bio for all of our social media sites. And you can always listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, I think we're now on iHeartRadio, maybe. Are you on uh, Sirius XM? Yeah, we we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't? You're on After Stern. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and you can find us uh, anywhere where you listen to your podcasts. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks again for another episode. And so I wanted to ask on our way out, on the count of three, can we all just go, I'm Rubik Absolutely. in our best you Rubik impression? All right. Here we go. One, two, three. I'm Rubik. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.